Welcome to Seeds, a show where we talk about purpose with inspiring people making a positive impact with their lives. We are particularly interested in social enterprises and entrepreneurs. We will listen to them reflect on their journeys and take time to dig deeper in order to better understand what really motivates their choices. Hi everyone, this is Stephen Moe. Today we're going to be speaking with Emmeline Pat Dostrom about space. Emmeline is the author of Realizing Tomorrow, The Path to Private Spaceflight, and she's just arrived in New Zealand recently as one of the first recipients of the Edmund Hillary Fellowship on a three-year global impact visa. She's a co-founder of Space Space, and the team there is pushing for the democratization of access to space. Here's an excerpt from the interview with Emmeline. Really, the reason why we're, we're doing this um, is that we is really democratization of space for everyone. And when we say for everyone, I mean, today you can really see a bright future, you know, with all of the things that's happening in terms of, I mean, the space technology that, that, that is being brought forth, like in the U.S. and China and, mm. and, and Russia. But I'm still not quite sure whether, you know, the rest of the world mm-hmm. is... Is, is actually going to be in the same playing field. So mm. when I mean uh, a bright future for the future, I want everybody. And unfortunately today, you can actually see that gap widening. I see. Um, yeah. And so I don't want to put that to chance. Now, as we head into summer here in New Zealand, I'll still be uploading episodes every Tuesday. And next week, we're going to be talking with John Hammond, the week after that with Joanna Pigeon who's the president of the Auckland District Law Society, and there's several other people I've recorded as well. If you're listening to this, you probably already subscribed, but if not, why not hit subscribe, and then you'll get notifications of new episodes that are uploaded every Tuesday. It's also easy to leave a rating and review to help get the word out, and there will be a symbol somewhere in your podcast app to share episodes. So please consider doing that if you found the content helpful and interesting. And also wanted to give a quick shout out to BizDojo Christchurch for letting me use one of their meeting rooms to do this interview. So thanks to Leon, Ryan, and Claire. Now fasten your seatbelts. It's time to get into the interview with Emmeline and learn more about her perspective on space. So I'm really pleased to welcome Emmeline Pat Dahlstrom today. Thank you for joining me. Thanks so much for having me. And we were talking about the titles that we should use to introduce you before. (laughs) Um, Do you want to just briefly describe some of the things that you're involved in? Yeah, so right now I'm actually in New Zealand as part of the Edmund Hillary Fellowship program, which is just started this year. So I'm one of the fellows, uh, there's 28 of us. Uh, I'm also still on faculty for uh, Singularity University that is based uh, inside the NASA Research Park um, in Silicon Valley. Um, and then uh, I also have a, a, uh, a consulting partnership uh, with my husband. It's called International Space Consultants. And then essentially uh, we're also pre-launch to creating a, an entity, a social enterprise uh, here in New Zealand called Spacebase. Great. So I think any one of those topics we could spend an hour on. (laughs) (laughs) I think what we're going to do in this interview is probably talk about the space side of things and what you've you've been involved in. Um, And but I'd love to hear about the social enterprise aspect of the other things that you describe. 
Before we get into that, this podcast is a lot about purpose mm -hmm. and people living their lives and, and what they're doing and why they do what they do. Yeah. And I find it's helpful to just go back to the beginning of someone's life and talk with them about where they're from yeah. and uh, what were some of the threads maybe through their life that have led them to this point. So do you mind describing a bit about where you're from? Yeah, that's great. So I was born in the Philippines. Mm -hmm. um, I was actually, uh, like I was raised there, didn't leave until I finished my undergrad. But I was born in the Apollo era. So, uh, you know, I grew up with Star Wars and Star Trek and mm. I really, really wanted to be an astronaut when I was young. But being born in also another Pacific country that is isolated mm. and, you know, being female and actually I wasn't even really good at math and sciences right. when I was <laughs> growing up. That sort of like pathway was not available for me. Mm. But just because of, I, I think, either luck or faith or pure determination, mm. uh, I was able to really kind of like overcome those barriers through scholarships. Mm. And where, where was that exactly? Was that? I was born in uh, Quezon City, in, mm. so it's like Metro Manila in, 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 in the okay. Philippines. Yeah, okay. Yeah. And what was your childhood like growing up there? Childhood, it was, um, well, I was pretty much of a dreamer, so I would spend uh, a lot of time like climbing s sort of big structures, and but also I'm, I was very bookish, so I spent most of my breaks like being in the library and uh, learning about astronomy and mm. reading about the faraway lands and so just wanting to be kind of like out there. Mm. So even as a child you had that I guess that vision of looking beyond where you were to, yes. to something more. Yeah yeah and so as, as, as I mentioned like uh, like you know, if you fast forward, there's a couple of uh, uh, decades uh, from that, I managed to just uh, from scho getting scholarships, did a master's in earth and space science. I also was fortunate to get a scholarship for the International Space University. This is a, a non-traditional educational institution that is now based in France, but it has a summer program that goes around the world every year mm. and brings together like essentially 100 or 120 students from different countries from multidisciplines. And so you don't have to be a rocket scientist, but mm. uh, you can be either a medical doctor or like in the humanities. And so I also worked for them for, for a few years. And how did you get involved in that? Were you studying there in Manila? Was that where you originally began or...? I applied for the second summer program mm -hmm. uh, from them. Like I just finished my undergrad and I was teaching mm -hmm. uh, in Manila and and got the scholarship. I see. Uh, yeah. So that really opened the opportunity for you to to try something different and new. And that, and do you remember those those moments or those times of finding out about the scholarship and then oh. finding out that you got it? Oh yeah. I that's one of the my like probably the most vivid memory that I. St that I still hold in my head. Right. Um, and I was just like jumping up and down in, uh, on the bed and like I was asking my, my mom, like, can I go, can I go, can I go? And of course I would still have to raise, you know, my, uh, my flight because it was in France and I've never been out of the country um, wow. at that time. So it was just like, just something out of, you know, for me out of my world. Uh, but that was the beginning really of my career 
um, and that sort of like opened up all of the opportunities because like after that I also so I worked for for mm. uh, ISU mm. um, afterwards and, and it's sorry to stop you but it's just amazing that you remember so clearly that moment jumping on your bed like <laughs> I love that <laughs> because it clearly it was a profound moment wasn't yes. it that, that then has shaped what you've been able to do since then yeah. yeah, and uh, so so yeah, um, uh, and essentially um, after that, the founder of the International Space University also has has uh, founded a lot of other uh, organizations and startup companies. His name is Peter Demandis, mm-hmm. and who also became the founder of Singularity University. Oh, okay. And so I worked for uh, some of his uh, his uh, startup companies, uh, Space Adventures. Uh, Space Adventures is actually the only company right now who can really say that they have sent private citizens to space. Mm. There's about, you know, there's 600 plus individuals who've gone to space today, but uh, all of them normally are through governments from NASA or ESA and Mm. and so forth. And so there's like seven tourists Mm. uh, who've who've actually gone through that program. Mm. And um, so I was uh, fortunate to be like the uh, sort of like the program manager and mm. um, program uh, operations uh, person to help kind of like uh, get that, mm. uh, to make it happen. Mm. So leaving Philippines and going off, did you ever return to the Philippines to live or is it led to a career in other parts of the world? It has actually led to a career in other parts of the world. Mm. Um, I, of course, my parents and my sisters are still in the Philippines, so I would go back, you know, on vacations. Mm. But you know, since then, I've actually kind of, um, I guess you can say that New Zealand, I think, is my s- the sixth country that I've actually applied for, like, temporary residence mm-hmm. for. Um, but I've also visited and worked for at least eight, 80 countries. I see. <laughs> so you're a true global citizen, I think. <laughs> it's, it's safe to give you that label. <laughs> no, I really love to travel. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's great. So uh, what happened next once you'd um, done that initial study? So, so yeah, um, I, I was able to uh, actually work for uh, the startup companies. Essentially, a decade after, the, after that, I also had the opportunity to, to write a book okay. on the future of, of uh, private space flight, too. And that gave me the opportunity to also interview uh, a lot of the kind of like the well-known people now that have, mm. uh, are kind of creating and blazing the uh, the pathway for us to kind of like go up uh, in, and explore other worlds. And travel. Yeah, yeah. and travel. Yeah, yeah. And so what year did that book come out? That was uh, 2009 when the book came out. Okay. Um, so it's been around for a while. And mm. um, yeah, I, I was really surprised that it actually uh, got into the, uh, the the Air Force, the annual list for the chief of staff uh, booklets, essentially. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And then... And what did you find when you were interviewing people who were involved in space travel and, and things? Like, was there was there something behind all of them where they all secretly loved Star Wars or Star Trek <laughs> or something, you yeah. know, like as a child uh-huh. that they'd always had a fascination or... Have you noticed any trends? Oh, yes. Um, I think, yeah, for sure. Everybody's either, you're either a Star Wars fan or you're a Star Trek yeah. fan. Are there any that are both or you have to be one or the other? Uh, <laughs> I think, well, I am both. Yeah, of, yeah. Of, well, of, I'm for the same, sure. And, so, and, and, yeah. and for the others uh, as, as well. I think they're, yeah, most people are both. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's really, it's that passion yeah. that has been ingrained in most of them, like from the very beginning, from, from a very young age. Mm, mm. 
Um, yeah. yeah. When I was growing up, the reruns of Star Trek were playing, I think it was like <laughs> 5 till 6 p.m., you know. Yeah. <laughs> so you'd come home from school, you'd have a snack, and then what's on TV? Oh, Star Trek. And it was it, it was just so cool because the, the worlds were so imaginative and, yeah. you know, like boldly yeah. going, you know. Like uh-huh. it, was, it was quite a cool concept. I can see where people would, you know, growing up with that. Right. Maybe and, and that would be something they'd want to do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and and actually, you know, Star Trek is sort of the epitome of like a sort of a, a an abundant future that we're mm. we're trying to aspire for. Right. And so I think that's why people are so attracted to it. Yeah. Because it's something that. Yeah. Because uh, wasn't it the first interracial kiss on TV? Yes. I think you know, yes. like it was quite progressive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Well, that must have been fascinating to interview people because I find with this podcast, I meet a range of people and it's yeah. one of the most exciting parts. Yeah. Like yeah. range of geeky people to uh, business minded people. to mm. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it was really interesting. And were you involved with Singularity University at that time as well? or uh? It was like at the the beginning or like at the tail end of when I was like finalizing the book. Um, okay. So as I mentioned, the, the founder of uh, Singularity is the same guy who founded ISU and also all of the other, uh, other startup companies, space startup companies that have kind of like worked on. And so when um, in 2009, when they were looking for somebody who could help kind of like develop the first program. Mm. And the first program is very similar to the summer program that ISU kind of like started with. And so I was actually uh, brought on board uh, right. to get that going, which is why I've been with the organization since the beginning. I've seen kind of like how it has grown. Yeah. I think I don't You've remember. You've had a front row seat from the yeah, start. I don't yeah. remember <laughs> how, like which maybe third or fourth employee that um, when I first started and now there's about uh, I think it's like almost 200 people now. Wow. Um, so it's grown quite it's quickly, grown quite really. Quite quickly, yeah, yeah. yeah. So tell me a little bit about the, the origins of it or the start of it. Like what was the hope or the dream at the beginning yeah. before it became a 200-employee Yeah, <laughs> organization? well, the mission of the organization has always been, you know, how do you leverage this really exponential technologies? Mm-hmm. So m- meaning rapidly developing uh, technologies that are powered by computing, so AI, robotics, nanotech, biotech. Right. And then how do you leverage them to solve big problems in the world? So we call them global grand challenges, um, right. you know, from food to water to energy, climate change, uh, and space is one of them. I see. And so actually, all uh, when I I was uh, at Singularity. I was on the executive management uh, team as uh, for a long time uh, EVP of operations and then also chief impact officer. But my other hat was also to coordinate the uh, space track during the summer program. I see. So yeah. it was like like on both worlds. Like I have got I got the impact side and I also got the space side. Right. Oh, great. Well, that's a yeah. good combination for you since. Yeah space was what you enjoyed yeah (laughs) yeah tell me because some people listening may not have um because christchurch last year had singularity Mm -hmm. that that event that happened um can you just describe what's meant by that term singularity yeah so the definition of singularity is actually you know it's it's a point in time when we think that that all of these things this rapid changes uh in technology uh has, has already surpassed like our comprehension of 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 what like the future uh, is going to be, but that's really not the the 
the essence of Singularity University. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think what we're trying to to uh, make people understand is that there is this rapid growth of change. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's all of these technologies that have been democratized because of these technologies mm-hmm. that have come up. And so then, so how do you leverage this for good? Uh, so actually, uh, Singularity is a benefit corporation, right? And I'm, I'm actually pretty proud that I've uh, helped kind of grow us and get us to the certification part of being a B Corp mm-hmm. um, as well, and mas- making sure that our sort of our, our scores for 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 a benefit corporation gets you know increases every year uh, right. as well. Yeah. Oh, that's good. And so it sounds like you were wearing multiple hats in that organization, <laughs> <laughs> as well as other things that you were involved in. Yeah. Um, was was that then a natural next step to what you're doing now? Yeah. So for sure, when I was at Singularity, um, one of the things that we're, we're thinking was like, what is your impact? What is your, um, you know, your impact in the world? For me, I wanted to work on something that is related to my first passion, which is space. Mm-hmm but also make that global impact. This opportunity that happened like just like last year when I heard about sort of uh, New Zealand now has a new space agency. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rocket Labs is about to kind of like start their, their launches mm-hmm. uh, as well. And then there's a, this, this fellowship, mm. uh, the Edmund Hillary Fellowship that uh, will potentially uh, give that opportunity for somebody who's uh, involved in all of those mm-hmm. to come to New Zealand and work on an impactful project. Yeah, and and we talked about this before we started recording, but you'd been to New Zealand before this, yes. is that right? Yeah. yeah. So what had brought you to New Zealand? Yeah, before? we've been we've been coming to New Zealand since two thousand and two right. um, on vacation. Yeah. Um, my husband and I are like really uh, outdoor enthusiasts, and so we're rock climbers, we're we're kayakers. Yeah. And we fell in love with New Zealand, right? Essentially, and so we've been coming back. Um, uh, multiple years, yeah. but we couldn't find sort of the perfect avenue to combine wanting to potentially stay here and really work on the things that we love, which is, of course, space. Yeah. And not until like last year was that even something that's on the radar. Yeah. But now it's like, you know, you tick, it all, you tick all of the boxes. Yeah, that's perfect. I mean, New Zealand, as you know, is a beautiful place <laughs> everywhere yeah. you go. It, it's like a, a, you know, postcard in terms of there's glaciers here, there's rivers here, there's mountains, there's yeah. beach. Like it has a full range, doesn't yep. it? I always think like you look at Europe, every country has something that's attractive or amazing. Mm-hmm. And New Zealand kind of encapsulates a bit of everything yeah. that's in Europe. And yeah. so it's, yeah, it's a beautiful place. Yeah. So how did the Edmund Hillary Fellowship come onto your radar? I had a f- college friend whose brother actually immigrated here. Ah. And so, and he actually works for MB. And so he was the one who basically on on social media was like saying, well, you know, anybody who's interested in space who wants who likes New Zealand. And well, by the way, there is this fellowship that's that's happening. Right. Um, So they were identifying even then that space was part of the things that they wanted to attract. Yeah. Yeah. So it was really interesting. But one thing that I really wanted to maybe emphasize going Mm. back to sort of like my background, Mm. uh, too, is that the really the reason why we're we're doing this um, is that we is really democratization of space for everyone. And when we say for everyone, I mean, today, 
you can really see a bright future, you know, with all of the things that's happening um, in terms of, I mean, the space technology that that, that is being brought forth, like in the U.S. and China and, mm-hmm. and, and Russia. But I'm still not quite sure whether, you know, the rest of the world mm-hmm. is... Is, is actually going to be in the same playing field. So mm. when I mean for the future, I want everybody. Right. Unfortunately, today, you can actually see that gap widening. I see. Um, yeah. And so I don't want to put that to chance. Yeah. And the way to do that is really to focus on emerging countries and, the, and developing countries who are potentially interested and then also because these exponential technologies are now off the shelf and uh, are readily available you don't really need to be in the US mm. you can be in India or you can be in the Philippines mm. and leverage all of these technologies now mm. um, so you felt like New Zealand could provide a good base to be yes. working and developing yeah. these things um, I really think that New Zealand could be this incubation nation and mm. a, a perfect place to pioneer yeah. like a new way of creating a, a space ecosystem mm. um, not the traditional way that we're kind of like used to from uh, before and, and based on collaboration as well right. and uh, integrating multi-stakeholders uh, to actually work on actually helping entrepreneurs space and en- or, or new space entrepreneurs from 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 getting what they need in terms of tools all the way to funding. Mm. Um, and so that's sort of like what we're focusing on mm. mm-hmm. um, and in, in creating this like uh, open source uh, network collaboration platform. Mm. Yeah, and you were able to move somewhere where there were already developments in the space industry, which yeah. probably was great for you because there's already a network of people who are doing something. Yeah, it, it was interesting. So we're, we're here in Christchurch for uh, about a week and yeah, part of the thing, the reason why we're here is like we're trying to find out like, who's the who's who uh, in terms of um, the either organizations, companies or individuals who's already working in that space because most of the time when, we, when, you, when, you, when you talk about you know, the space industry in New Zealand, people would just like say Rocket Lab. Right. But then, I mean, there's also a lot more other companies that are part of that supply chain before it became Rocket Lab. Mm. Um, and so we've been learning that there's, you know, all of these uh, really very highly technical capabilities of, of companies here, like, you know, in manufacturing, mm. um, in the data analysis, uh, and so forth. And so we would like to be able to highlight mm. Um, is that capability something that surprised you or did you were you hopeful that there would be that I was hopeful that it's actually there yeah. it's just a matter of like trying to to um, you know to get it out mm-hmm. one of the things that we've uh, we've learned is the which is which is great is the humbleness here mm-hmm. um, uh, of, of the people mm-hmm. uh, in, in New Zealand because like I come from you from Silicon Valley where everybody's like overselling themselves mm-hmm. normally um, and so it's it's a little harder to kind of like dig the 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 information out uh, right. because people don't want to essentially you know market themselves mm-hmm. uh, but what we're finding out is like there is a lot of already that's happening. Mm. Well, that's good. <laughs> Can I change focus slightly, yeah. which is the Edmund Hillary Fellowship? Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Because again, some people may not have heard of that, but I think it's a good opportunity to get yeah. some information about it out into the wider public. Yeah. So uh, the Edmund Hillary Fellowship is really focused on on impact for New Zealand at a global scale, and so it's really to attract. Uh, entrepreneurs and investors 
to come to New Zealand and work with Kiwis to make that happen. Mm. And I think actually it's it's such a it's a great way of 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 attracting the right kind of people. Mm. Also, the uniqueness of the program as well is that it's not only entrepreneurs; it's also investors all in the same playing field. Mm. And you were describing the first cohort when before we started recording. Yeah. You were mentioning that you'd come together fairly recently. Yeah, I think fairly and recently, but yeah, then do you want to just describe how many people there are and yes. what the feeling was like in the room? I guess. Yeah. <laughs> so there's about 28 of us, and we all come from like different backgrounds, but at the same time, uh, there's synergies to the specialists. And so I was like saying, you know, there's about, I think there's like six people who have like space backgrounds within the cohort. There's also like seven or eight on blockchain uh, as well. But being in that kickoff sort of event, I think got us all sort of like easily working together Mm -hmm. because the program was also uh, set up that way where uh, it, it was meant to bring down all of the barriers uh, kind of to potentially work together. Mm-hmm. So if you if if you get into the fellowship, so I think there was about like 300 plus who mm-hmm. applied for the first cohort, mm-hmm. um, and there's 28 of us who, mm-hmm. who cut in. the The thing is, like every six months, they actually um, uh, bring forward another like 50, so about 100 um, normally per year, mm-hmm. and then it's also open to Kiwis. So there's there's a subset of that 28 um, also uh, yeah. come from New Zealand, which is actually great because th- also they're kind of like our our eyes and ears towards yeah. the community um, yeah. already. Um, and I think the way we connected is that Chris Simcock yeah. emailed and connected yes. us, right? So that was a good a good way to meet. Yeah. 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 And so if you get into to the the fellowship, you actually get a global impact visa. Mm. Which is which is such a great. Uh, um, That's a nice title. Nice <laughs> title. <laughs> What's your title? I'm a global impact. I'm a global impact. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, and it allows you to stay in New Zealand for three years. Okay. And it, it's also uh, possible to. Uh, it's it's actually it's it's a sub it's a working vi- a work visa that is only um, given to to the fellows. Right. And so all of us have like different sort of initiatives right now that are focusing on different... Uh, yeah. And to be admitted, you had to put in an application correct. saying what it was that you were going to do yes. and, and the benefit for New Zealand, I correct. presume. Yeah. 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 And now are you spread out throughout the country? Is that sort yes. of um, many people in Auckland, I guess, yeah. and so some in Wellington? There's <laughs> people in Auckland, there's people in Wellington, yeah. and, and of course there's in Christchurch. And then some are still uh, going back and forth mm-hmm. between where they're from. Mm-hmm. So it's just that like Eric and I uh, decided that because we are actually cr- creating and, and creating a community, Mm-hmm. doesn't really make sense to be any anywhere else mm-hmm. and so we basically sold all of our stuff gave away all of our stuff and right. um, shipped our, our uh, the remaining things that we have and we're really here yeah. um, for long term planning yeah for the <laughs> next three years while others are, are still um, essentially um, have their home base somewhere else um, mm. and so like our third uh, team member because there's actually three of us uh, on the team uh, Rich Bodo is still in California mm. uh, he's uh, essentially our, our tech guy he's the, he's the the brains for uh, the blockchain side of, of mm. uh, what we're also working on which is uh, the other entity um, that uh, we're, we're also creating a, a funding platform. Yeah. And so the entity that you're working on now, yet to be launched, but you're behind yeah. the scenes, what, what will that be called? 
So it's called Space Base. Um, and um, again, it's, a, it's an, an open source uh, networking uh, collaborative platform mm-hmm. where, where basically it's, it's, it's a network that we hope would bring in all of the stakeholders within New Zealand, either it's if, if it's your, your corporate, your academia, or your government, uh, or you're an entrepreneur, to really, with the purpose of helping entrepreneurs go through that process of a one-stop place for them to find the resources that they need, uh, either on the education side, the training side, uh, the incubation side, mm. uh, the acceleration side, and then also on the funding side. Yeah. Well, it sounds like an exciting initiative, <laughs> and you've got a couple of years to work on it. Yes. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. So where have you made your base? Uh, right now, we're in Wellington, mm-hmm. uh, but as we always like say, we're because we are global nomads, it's, it's, it's very, it, and New Zealand is fairly, e- it's fairly easy to go from one place to it another is, yeah, in New Zealand. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I, like you, I've lived a, in a few other countries, and New Zealand is quite small. It's actually quite mm-hmm. easy to get around. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, when you think about America, you know, like a good five-hour yeah. flight from one coast to the other coast, and right. here it's, you know, 45 minutes or something or an hour. So, yep. yeah. Oh, that's really great. And can I just ask you a little bit about Silicon Valley? Mm-hmm. So how long did you end up spending there? So I was there for uh, about eight years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because uh, actually before that, we we were living in Washington, D.C. for oh. about 13 or 14 years. Yeah. And Silicon Valley has a, it has a reputation as, mm-hmm. a, you know, hub of the world in a way of people coming with new ideas and big, large organizations there as well. What's what's your impression when you're actually living there at the moment? So, yeah, that's a, that's a, that's an interesting question. Um, like when you're living there, well, for one, uh, I think uh, you go into a cafe there's no way that that you won't run into either an entrepreneur or somebody who's already made their mark uh, and they're kind of like intermingle altogether. I think what is really true with Silicon Valley is that, you know, people are not afraid of talking about their ideas because sometimes, um, you know, in in other, uh, at least places that I've lived in, there's this notion of like, you know, uh, you want to keep your idea with you because it's either it's going to get stolen or you know so you, you might get scooped right. um, and but in in silicon valley it's like actually it's the opposite people like want to talk about their ideas uh, and the and the reason why people uh, do that is that you know an idea is a dime a dozen it's the execution that actually makes it mm. and so uh, it doesn't matter whether you you talk about it, which is why I kind of like like the culture of being very kind of like very open. Yeah, um, collaboration, collabor- partnership, right. kind of working together. Yeah. yeah, although there is that that side, but then at the same time, there's also the other side um, mm. of it uh, as well, where, as I mentioned, like you know, people most of the time oversell themselves. Yeah. Uh, there's always this this notion that you're always you know pitching. Yeah. You're you're always pitching for your idea. You're always like looking for for the next big thing, yeah. or or you're, you're looking for like resources and, yeah. and, and funding. Yeah. Now, um, normally I ask people if they had a time machine, they could give themselves advice when they were younger. But in your case, I want to ask. Uh, we maybe will ask that question as well. But if we could go a hundred years in the future, 
So you and I probably won't be here. <laughs> But、um, <laughs> what what is it that you hope, in, in, in particularly around space?、Mm-hmm. What do you think we might be able to accomplish in say the next hundred years? Or you can pick a different arbitrary number if if that's no. That's actually a- that's that's pretty perfect. And and for me, it's interesting. I actually really really believe that we are going to be a multiplanetary species. I see us, you know. Uh, on the other side of the moon, I see us like really、uh, colonizing、um, other、uh, planets around the solar system,、mm-hmm. and that's like something that's going to be brought about if we actually act now towards that future, and and towards that future where there is no disparity between you know whether you're in one country or the other. So the on-world ownership structures. Of countries and nation states, you're saying maybe it wouldn't be the same rules that would apply、right. on the other side of the moon, for example. Right, and so, so th- which is why I, I think、uh, it's very, very important to start this collaboration and, eco- and creating ecosystems today, because we, for sure, we 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 definitely want、uh, New Zealand to be the pioneer and potentially、um, the. The the country could who could cre- create the blueprint for other countries to follow suit. But then it would be great to connect all of those、uh, ecosystems together as well into a global network.、Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And essentially, what you've built is a Star Trek universe. Yeah. <laughs> and is there some is there some technology or something that we're missing still that we need to develop to to get to those. Uh, that future, in the sense of you know, in Star Trek, they talk、mm-hmm. about the warp drive.、Yeah. You know, like what is the warp drive? <laughs> I don't think it's ever really explained. But you know,、um, are, are there some basic things? This may be too simple a question, but no, 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 you、I、know,、think. like because once you're talking about interplanetary travel,、right. yeah. like they're far distances. <laughs>、yep. How are we going to、yeah. get there and back? And, and you know, gravity and all these other、yeah. things. What are some of the things yeah, that we I, need well, to、mm-hmm. that that you would be Saying we need to promote or or develop、yeah. in the near term to be able to have that type of、yeah. a future. I mean, your your question is definitely very very relevant,、um, and I always think that today, for example, our our technology of launching、uh, things in space、mm-hmm. hasn't actually moved、mm-hmm. in in like、uh, half a century. Right. Like the the same rocket technology that we've had in the sixties when we When we sent、uh, humans to the moon, is essentially very s- similar、mm-hmm. to what we're using now. I mean, there's like innovation,、um, and of course now different、uh, materials and yeah, that type of and thing. Yeah, and, and today we can now reuse rockets like what SpaceX is doing,、uh, but it's still the same. So I think un- unless we we find some other revolutionary way of launching,、mm-hmm. then It's still going to be difficult to get to that, you know, that warp drive that we're kind of <laughs> <really> looking for. <laughs> yeah.、Um, so that. So that's where the real innovation needs to I happen. I think that's I the real innovation that needs to to yeah. happen. Yeah. But I also think that social s- systems and structures will also need to be kind of like changed for people to actually work together、mm. um, as. One planet,、mm. because we are going to be representing humans as you know as Earthlings, not、right. as as、uh, countries、yeah. or or na-、uh, nation states. Yeah, 
Yeah, I love talking with you because it's so different to the normal language that we use. <laughs> you know, <laughs> thinking of the future that in a hundred years there might be this traveling between planets and and things. It's it's really yeah, it, it's quite mind blowing in a way. You know, to <laughs> to think about that. We talked about a hundred years from now. Do you think within our lifetime that we will be able to book a ticket to go up as private citizens? Mm-hmm. I think so. Mm-hmm. And the reason why I say that um, is that even with you know SpaceX uh, talking about their mm-hmm. like their moon uh, or Mars uh, missions, they're looking at really short time frames now. And even though those time frames look really ridiculous to kind of the common person who thinks that no, we c- in five years how can that that, that happen? Mm-hmm. But the technology is actually there right. already. Um, and, and that's the point about the exponential growth yes. and change that year by year we're yeah. it's actually you know doubling or tripling yeah. and yeah yeah mm. and so once that kind of like when there's you know on the exponential curve they're saying that there's an inflection point mm-hmm. where once you actually reach that inflection point then it's kind of like you're on an on an exponential development curve mm-hmm. i think we're sort of like near that inflection point right and it's just going to get faster yeah yeah sort of like in the future yeah yeah no that's excellent and i think i will ask this question if you could go back to yourself you've just received the letter saying you've been accepted you you get to leave the you know you're going to be leaving your home and going to learn about space is there any advice that you'd give yourself to your younger self about that you've learned things along the way it's interesting i've always I've, i've i've actually pondered on that question even from before um it's interesting because i i normally don't have an answer to that question and the reason is that i don't think i've regretted any single thing that i've done Mm -hmm. or have i've worked on or have leveraged opportunity for uh in my lifetime Mm -hmm. at least up to up to to date Mm. um i i think that you know having a dream and sticking to your dream uh, as a as a young kid, um, even though it's like hard, I think really helps kind of like people to push forward, even if it's hard mm. um, um, during those times that you're kind of like you're struggling. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so I I actually think. I don't know. I, it's, it, it's probably it's weird to say that uh, I think I've done well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I actually love your answer because that, in a way, that's a that's a sign that you've lived as as much as you can. You know, you you've lived fully. And I interviewed um, Dr. James Austin from Harvard Business School, and I asked him this similar question, and his response was, "Actually, I would tell myself you've done well." And I just thought that was such a cool <laughs> statement, you know, to look back because he was saying he just had his 75th birthday, you know, to look back on your life and say, you yeah, know, you've yeah. done well. I, I hope that I can be that way, too. When I'm 75, uh-huh. that I look back and think, yeah. no, actually, I yeah. did my best. Yeah, if, you, if I go back to the, those times, I mean, I wouldn't even dream of being here. Right. And seeing myself here and have done all of the stuff that I've, I've done over, like, just the three decades. I mean... I, I, that w- it would be mind-boggling for me right. to think that, and uh, I, sometimes I say, you know, I had a bucket list when I was like, uh, uh, when I was like eleven or twelve. Mm. I've like 
more than surpassed that bucket list. Like, and there's, I know that there's more. <laughs> there's more to come. Wanna, that yeah. I would want to do. Yeah. yeah. And that dream that you had, you know, as a young child or a teenager, like at what point will you have reached that dream? Is it, do you think, like, for example, if you, if you get the chance to go into yes. space, like, is that the moment that it would be, that was your dream? As a child, yes, I think so. But I think now, when I think about it, the dream is that 100-year thing where, when mm-hmm. we're, we're have actually gone on and explored you know, different planets and have also uh, sustainably stewarded, or is that, is that a, I don't even know if that's the word, Earth, by leveraging you know, re- space resources and technology to actually uh, make humanity thrive, then I think that's sort of where I could potentially, I, well, I may not be alive by then, <laughs> <laughs> but it would be, have been, uh, I would have been really fulfilled to say that at least, you know, today I've sort of taken a baby step mm. towards making that happen. Well, I don't know if podcasts will still be around then, but you never know. <laughs> Somebody may be doing some research and come across a little podcast from 2017 <laughs> and go, wow, look at that. We can dream, right? We'll see. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's been a pleasure to have you on the podcast. I want to thank you for spending time with me today. Um, and it's really, I think it's amazing to talk with someone who had a dream as a child and then to have seen the opportunities open. And then it, it's clear that you've stepped through the doors of opportunity and 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 then just gotten involved in so many different things and i think new zealand's lucky to have you here (laughs) to to be able to work on this area and to be able to foster that innovation in the space industry so um i think people who are listening will be watching to see what happens next well thanks so much for having me this was really an honor it was really fun thank you great all right thank you very much Well, I think you'll agree that that interview with Emmeline took us in a variety of directions and perhaps expanded the way that some of us think about space and space travel. I was really heartened by the thoughts that Emmeline had about the democratization of space and also just to hear about the other things that she's been involved with, with the Singularity University and the Edmund Hillary Fellowship. It was really great to be able to learn more about those as well. Now, next week, we're going to be speaking to John Hammond, who has a very unique story to tell. Here's an excerpt from the interview with him. I don't, I don't actually have a bucket list. Mm. I have done what I've wanted to do as I've gone through life. Mm. I just thought you just don't want to be in the position of looking back and regretting that you haven't taken an opportunity when it's there. Mm. And so that has coloured a bit of my life. I've probably made some decisions that have been a bit rash and whatever mm. about what I've ended up doing, but I just... You know, for me, it's worked. So the context around those statements will become clear when we get into the interview with John next week. And I really hope you can join me for that interview with him. It's been great getting feedback that many of you are enjoying these podcasts, and more importantly, maybe that you're being challenged by them and the content of the people I'm interviewing. Hey, if you did enjoy this interview and felt like it added value, then maybe check out one of the previous episodes, as there's more than 15 uploaded now. And thanks again to those of you who keep telling your friends about this podcast. Until next time.